Hey everyone, welcome to Real Faith in Real World Conversations, based on a sermon series by Pastor Tim Gibb, lead pastor of Bethel Church in Sarnia, Ontario. In this podcast, you're going to hear a conversation every week as we discuss the message and how we are living out our faith in our world. It's meant to be helpful and encouraging, and more than anything, a way to get you thinking deeper about your own faith. So let's jump into this week's Real Faith Conversation. Hey listeners, my name is Trisha and I am joined today by Pastor Kirby, Pastor Dale, and Stephanie. We are discussing this week's message from Pastor Tim Gibb called Real Faith Loves My Neighbor. Last week was a great setup for this week's message because in week one of the series, we learned that real faith is shown in our actions and our actions should come from obedience to God's word. Now, a key verse that was shared this week was from James 2.8, which says this, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So that means, according to that scripture, that obedience to God's word would result in us living out our real faith by loving our neighbor. Now, as we begin this conversation, I want to start with the two truths and the two misconceptions that Pastor Tim pointed out about love. The two misconceptions are that love is a feeling and that love is uncontrollable, where the flip side of that is that the two truths are love is a choice and love is an action. Now, I think that we see people in our world today who love according to those misconceptions and those who love according to those two truths. So right now, can we break them down? And Pastor Kirby, Pastor Dale, Stephanie, I'm looking for you guys to jump in and help answer the question, what would love and action look like if we lived by those two truths instead of those two misconceptions? So I like to compare when I talk about love, about my relationship with my wife. You know, we are newly married. We are together. It's going to be five years this year. And I look, at, I look on it that love is, yes, I may, I may love her with my feelings and all, but it's more of a commitment. Love right. is a choice. I decide. I know that this feeling won't sustain me for 60 to 80 years together. Mm. I, need, I need to commit my life to her and decide, yes, upon that love that I had with her, we resulted into getting to know each other and getting to covenant each other together but now it's more about choice you know i'm choosing to love this woman for the rest of my life right you know and that will result in action which is like because i want to stir this love i want to show up for her i want to talk with her i want to be there for her do something for her that will not only fuel the feeling but fuel my choice to love her every day all day for for years until we die so i think that two truth, you know, when you talk about love in action, love uh, is a choice. It comes into the realm in, into the realm of commitment. For sure, I think that's such a key word. Right. I think we've all observed of love languages, so everybody has a different love language. Right. And uh, in our family, we have three children, so there's five actually in our house, and we all have five different love languages. But just observing our children and how they love, and I think in some cases it does become a choice. And it becomes an action for some of our kids. It's easier for them to respond in love and giving their love language, whether it be a, a card to their mommy or a gift or 
or noticing something that mom has done, you know, whether it be with the dinner or the dinner table or whatever, and they express their, wow, look what you did, mom. So it's that, that uh, response. But I think for one of our children anyway, he could care less. He just flies by the seat of his pants all the time and just kind of goes through life like that. And I think for him, it has to become a choice where I need to pause and express my love somehow because it's not natural for him because it's just his love language is a different story than the others. But just watching the observations in our family and watching how they, they express their love. But for some, it's easy, easy, and for others, it's not so easy. And they have to mentally prepare themselves on how they're going to do it. Mm. So... Yeah, Pastor Dale, you're saying like it comes naturally to some, less naturally to others. And so I think when I think of love, I think of how it's a fruit of the Spirit and how it's something that God's Spirit develops in us. And when I think of love as a choice or love as an action, I think of the commitment, uh, my commitment to the Lord to allow Him to grow that in me. Because love is not always the easy default response. Right. Um, and so um, taking time to say, Lord, I need you to develop that fruit in my life because I want to choose that. It's like a choice to seek God to allow him to grow that in our lives. And then I think we're more able to look for the opportunities and op have the Lord open our eyes um, how we can choose to love others, maybe even people who in that moment are not very lovely to us because sometimes that happens. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. So it's such a great starting point because for all of us, it is a choice. And uh, what Pastor Tim shared in the message this week was so practical, but it has to begin there. It has to begin with the choice. It has to begin with action. So let's look at all the different ways that Pastor Tim encouraged us to love our neighbor. The first thing that he talked about was learning to engage with people individually, or in other words, intentionally choose to be friendly, especially with those who are outside of your normal life circle. Now, Pastor Dale, you kind of just talked about this, but I think that comes easy for some people uh, based on their personality. Uh, I think of many people in my life who have extroverted personalities, and that's just a very natural thing for them. But not everyone is that way. Everyone has a different way of functioning. So I want to know, what does this look like in your life to be intentionally friendly? I just moved uh, back. Our family just moved back from uh, Honduras. So we were serving in missions there. And the one thing I learned in the Latin American culture is the part about being friendly and intentionally friendly. My personality is more of a, I have a list and I need to get through my list, especially when you're coming into a meeting or something like that. So there's a list and I need to check that off. So I come in and first of all, I want to start on time. And then I go through my list and get my things done. And what I learned in the, in the Latin American culture is they're more about relationships, very friendly. And so they would come into the room and they would greet everybody first, find out how your week is going, what you're doing, what's going on in your life. And, and that first, at first I think it frustrated me because I wasn't getting through my list. But I learned something in that, that my list, it shouldn't have mattered the relationship is more important. And so I have learned now to be more intentionally friendly. So if you come on children's ministry staff, when we have a staff meeting, I'm going to be intentionally friendly with you. But I want to find out, seriously, how is your life going? And I've learned. I've had to change my, my train of thought and how to do those things. And so I, I am learning still 
how to be more intentionally friendly and not just go by my list of things. I'm a, I'm a very extroverted person, you know, so I'm going to speak to, to all the extroverted out there who's listening to that. Perfect. And we <laughs> introverts over here are going to learn you from know, you. So it's, it's all the extroverted. Now, I, I like to speak about, you know, friendliness and, and being amicable in conversation. I think, uh, and Pastor Tim kind of spoke about this uh, this morning, but being learn to be a conversationalist is very important, you know, to start off for everything. I've been in sales for a long time, and you don't want to jump right into the sales. You know, you, you want to make sure that you you warmed up to the person, you know. It's, and I think it's the same with, with Christianity, with our belief. You don't want to jump right in and say, hey, I'm a Christian. How are you doing today? Can I present you with Christ? You want to get to know the person. I think I said it already, but people want to know that you care about them mm-hmm, before they start true. caring about what you have to share or to give. So I think being friendly, it starts with genuine, you know, just for, because of a personal interest, but genuine conversation. You truly care about the person. Pastor Dale and I, we're kind of the same this way. I'm a, ta- I'm a list. I'm a list girl too. And I can be all about the task. So I have to remember that relationships are important. I agree with you, Pastor Kirby, that we, we, people need to know that we love them and care for them, you know, before we have a message for them, just right. like build a relationship. I think for me, uh, living in, te- in an intentionally friendly way, I tend to see people that are uh, in my, like, so I'm a mom, you guys probably know I've got four kids. And so um, for me, I often like in a grocery store or in a s- situation out in the neighborhood or at the park, I tend to notice the other moms and I am like, hey, I get what that mom's going through when their kid's having a temper tantrum. So I look for that opportunity just to be like, hey, mom, you're doing a good job. And I don't know, I just find that uh, when I'm out and about, it's easy for me to see people that I'm relating to in a personal way um, and to reach out with a friendly gesture, a friendly comment. Uh, that's something I routinely do. That's great. I love it. So the second thing Pastor Tim talked about was that we need to be an encouragement, an encourager. Uh, encouragement is another area that's really done with intentionality. To be an encouraging person, I think really requires more than just a creative idea, though. It requires that we are people who choose to have an encouraging attitude or choose to have an encouraging outlook. So what are the characteristics that we need if we are going to be a person who is an encourager? I think first we need to be observant. We need to be looking to see who needs that encouragement. So the other day, I had a, an opportunity to hand out 49 gift bags to the uh, porches. Mm. So, of course, being my personality, the task person, I want to get it done because I knew it was going to take a long time. And I had to go out to a number of different areas outside of the city even. And so I, my plan was to just to go and drop off the bag and leave, not really talk to anyone because we're still in this stay-at-home order and so forth. But uh, there was one apartment where I needed to call the lady, and I said, are you home? Can you come to the lobby? So the plan was to just to hand off the bag and leave. But I realized there was something going on and I, I observed, and I think that was one of the first things I noticed was this lady needed a chat. <laughs> and so we were able to talk and it was great. And I got to know her, uh, found out that she is struggling as a mom right now because of the pandemic, talking about her children and how can I help them and just encouraging her. And then I prayed with her at the end and it ended up being more than 15 minutes. But it it, uh, it actually encouraged me as well. It kind of went her way, but it also came back to me as well. By the time we left, I felt good. And I was glad that I took the time to encourage her. And, and so that's the first thing is 
being observant, who needs that encouragement? Yeah. I think also to be to one of the characteristics to, that we need to have to be encouraging to be a person of thankfulness. You know, a person mm -hmm. who is thankful about about where you are and what uh, where you're at in life. You know, even though you may go through a lot of challenging, you can be an encourager. You know, because you're thankful, you're content, you're you not too complicated, you're simple, and that with that, I think it's it's. You don't need to be extroverted or introverted. That doesn't really fall into that. It's really like, no, just be thankful. And, and just, you know, you're around someone who's thankful, who's always look at the, at the bright side of things. And that is that person who people wants, kind of wants to be around, even mm -hmm. though you're not going to perfect life, right? But be thankful for what you have and, and the things that you have around you. And that is a great starting point to be encouraging. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. I think that when we um, when we make the choice to put on these attributes, as Pastor Kirby and Pastor Dale are talking about, we, we have this positive outlook while we're looking for opportunities, when we're thinking of other people, when we're seeing the best in other people, then the creative ideas of how to encourage or how to seize the moment will come to us. But first, we have to have the attitude and the perspective that is looking to be encouraging. Right. Okay, so uh, Pastor Tim's third point was that we need to look for ways to share God's love by serving others. Now, I love that in the message, Pastor Tim pointed out that each of us has God-given gifts or abilities and that the purpose of those gifts is to serve others. But I've talked to a lot of people in our church over the years who have expressed to me that they either don't know what their gifts are or they don't know how their gifts could be beneficial to others. So how, how does someone even begin to determine what their gift is and the purpose behind their gifts? Ooh, you guys, this one is a question for me. <laughs> <laughs> Trish and I have talked about this lots over the last number of years. Friends, there is a way that you can know what your spiritual gifts are. And there are such things called spiritual gifts assessments or tests or tools, um, and they're actually pretty readily available. But if you're like me and you like to see cold, hard data, this is a great tool that you can use. It's usually a questionnaire. Um, there's lots of them out there, ones that are more complex, have lots of types of questions, usually around 100 questions or so that you respond to about yourself. And then you score yourself, and oftentimes your top spiritual gifts will shimmy to the top, and they will filter through. Um, and you'll start to see how God has shaped you. And I think uh, we know, we have an innate sense, like we are naturally good at some things, and God has given us certain bents and certain gifts that we can actually see. But then when you take a, an assessment um, and an inventory about those things, it's it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I do see that I have this gift in my life, whether it be administration or hospitality or pastoral care or whatever the nature may be. So I am a very, very big proponent of spiritual gifts assessments. And then once you figure out how God has shaped you, um, then I think it becomes really easy to serve with, uh, with intention, that you can look at where there are places you can serve in the body, places you can serve in the community, places you can serve your family or your neighbors or whatever. Um, the opportunities are 
uh, plenteous, but I think it's really important and really when we want to steward what God's given to us well to, to know the gifts he's put in our lives. That was my soapbox right there. I will now hop off and give someone else a chance. <laughs> well, ask, uh, uh, ask yourself questions. You know, ask yourself questions. What am I passionate about? It's kind of a piggyback about, on what uh, Stephanie said. What am I passionate? What do I love to do? What do I love to make? And those questions will lead you to answers. Maybe not direct answers, but will lead you to a quest of figuring out who you are. You know, purpose is a big word when you think about it. Purpose is a big word. Purpose is like your mission in life. Something that you, you go in and sometimes you, you search and get in that quest for years. But if you just ask yourself those beginning questions, it's a great discovery to, to find out at the end, you know, where, where is the purpose. When my dad became a pastor, I was 15 years old and he, and he told me, you're going to be a pastor at 15 years old. I didn't know what to do, and I did everything out of obedience. I was playing music, doing secretary, counting money during Sunday school. And by doing all this out of obedience, I found out, oh, I can teach. I can play music. I can, I can talk in front of people. And I started discovering myself by just trying doors and, and asking yourself questions. And then at the end of the day, there's a common denomination to all of this. Me was people. Mm. I love people. I love to help people. And everything that I was doing was around people. So that created my purpose, and I'm here today. Yeah, I love it. This is one thing, as Steph mentioned, she and I have spent a lot of time talking about this because we're both really passionate about it. I really believe that with every gift that God gives us, and all of our gifts come from God, that every gift has a purpose. And too often, we right. don't use our gifts for the purposes that um, they could be used for. I also really believe that there would not be need in the church. There would be, not be need mm. in community agencies if the church really realized their gifts and functioned in their gifts. And, um, and we need to be using them to serve other people. So obviously, if you want to talk more to us about this, we would all love to help you with that journey for sure. Uh, fourth thing Pastor Tim talked about was that we love our neighbor by inviting people to church. And this is another area where I've heard a lot of people express some hesitancy because there's a little bit of fear attached to the idea of inviting a friend or a family member to church. So why is that? Why do we hesitate and how do we overcome that fear? I don't know if it's so much the fear of inviting them to come because I think most of our friends or family would know that we go to church because I think it comes up in conversation, you know, well, at church we do this or we do that or there might be some uh, an event or whatever we talk about. So most of our friends and family probably know where they go to church. I think where the fear might come is what will be their response if they're in our church? Mm. Like how will they respond to the music? How will they respond to the offering? Are they going to be, you know, well, yeah, the church is just always out for money. How will they respond? I think that's where our fear more is, is what is their response going to be? But I think that's where we just have to leave it with God and say, you know what, God, when we invite our friends to church, work in their hearts, let them feel the spirit of God, the presence of God, so that when they're in the church, they're not going to be, uh, critical or judgmental or whatever, but let God work in their lives. So I think we just have to get over that fear of what they're going to expect and just invite them and say, you know what, Lord, Lord, you work in their lives. Mm. Let, the, let them really feel the presence of God, which we know the presence of God is always here anyway in the sanctuary. We know they're going to sense that and let them, let them just come. 
Yeah, that's, that's great. You probably just answered it right there in that we're often nervous about what will happen in church. But as you just said, like we do our part and then we have to trust God with the rest, that he'll take care of it. And we don't have to over explain things or worry or apologize or whatever. Just let the Holy Spirit do his work. Okay, the last thing that Pastor Tim shared, practical things that we can do to love our neighbor is share the gospel. And one of the things that really stood out to me was um, when Pastor Tim mentioned that we need to be people who look for opportunities to share our faith, but those opportunities don't have to be this really big thing. They can just be small. It just comes down to us seizing those opportunities and being led of the Holy Spirit. So uh, last question for this podcast is, what does sharing the gospel look like in your life? Hmm. Hi. That's a very big question. <laughs> I think that's very, when I think of that, it's very broad because it's, uh, for me, it really depends on what context I'm in. So like I think of my neighbors um, and our kids play together on our street and they get off the bus at the same time. And I just think, how do I share the gospel with these girls? Like we hang out, I speak life uh, to them. We share um, about our days and our struggles and I, live life beside them. And when God gives me an opportunity, you know, to share um, a word of encouragement on occasion, he's given me an opportunity to really share the gospel. But to me, it's about living an authentic life in, in their eyes. Like to see that the words that I say or the things that they see me post on social media, when they see um, online stuff, and then when they see stuff in the neighborhood, that I'm the same person, uh, that I'm consistent. Uh, so that's really important to me uh, in my in my walk, I guess, and in my witness to the gospel of Jesus, is to make sure that my my walk, the everyday me, looks the same as the things that I'm professing. And sometimes that means that it's an outright um, conversation about Jesus or something with them. And sometimes that's just uh, living my life with integrity, um, the way Jesus would have me live it. Sharing gospel for me in my life now, I talk, I talk more as a, as a, as a preacher. It's preaching is it's pretty easy to do when you're on the stage and, and you have this platform, which is people are actually coming to you to kind of hear the preaching of the sermon. Um, in my, um, but for me, I, and I guess for my generation as well, uh, I'm pretty active on social media. And uh, it's, um, for me, your social media platform and probably this is more for people who are more social media savvy or presence in there, but showing, showing your, your personal life or your, your, your post reflects your faith. And I always say to people, even though your profile on social media uh, does not define who you are, it says something about you. And so for me, my way of preaching the gospel it's, it's in the, um, the virtual kind of world, in this media social world, and trying to just sharing encouragement, sharing truth at times. And uh, sometimes sharing out, outright sermons. But I, what I'm looking for when I do this is opportunities for when someone is interacting with that. And this is where now I go into kind of private message. Hey, how can I help you more in that subject? How can I? It's kind of creating doors for opportunities to, mm -hmm. to, go, to go further. Yeah. 
Um, I'll just, in my life, I'm very similar to Steph in that I really believe that authenticity and living a consistent, genuine life that reveals who Jesus is in very simple ways opens doors. So while I pray for opportunities to share my faith, I often feel like like God just swings open doors in very small ways, and it's because I've been consistent in who I am and in showing up and in being in someone's life. I will say this, though, like, don't look down on a small seed planted. <laughs> because sometimes we think, like, oh, if I don't pray the sinner's prayer with someone at a coffee shop, then I haven't shared my faith. But the truth is every little thing that we right. plant that points people to Jesus makes a difference. It matters. Right. So plant those little seeds and see them as, like, obedience unto God. So, Also, I would just throw in there that it's not up to us to produce results. That's true, that yeah. Our job, like I think of those parables of the scattering of the seed, our job is to throw the seed out there, some water, some plant, but it's the Spirit of God that brings the increase. Right. Yeah. So we don't need to live in a place of condemnation um, that we didn't make something happen because that's not our job. Our job is just faithful witness. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And a great thought to end with this week. So this week's message, it was such a practical message. And now the important thing is that we put this into practice in our lives. So as we finish this conversation today, I want to ask you just to pause and to consider these questions. Do I consistently choose to love my neighbor? And is that love seen in my actions? Am I looking for ways to encourage others, to serve others, and to share the gospel with them? And if not, how can I begin? And then finally, is there someone today that the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart to reach out to? And let me just encourage you, follow that prompting because who knows what God might do through you today. As we close, I just want to remind you that a great way for God's word to take effect in our hearts is to talk about it with someone. So why not share this podcast and then have your own real faith conversation? That's it for us this week. We'll see you back here next week as we continue this series. Let's all go and live this week with a real faith in a real world.